This is Pave It Black. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Pave It Black, the official podcast of the National Asphalt Pavement Association. My name is Richard Willis. And I'm Brett Williams. Today, we're here to talk a little bit about leadership in the construction industry. When the Great Recession happened, about 1.5 million construction workers left the industry. When you look at other statistics right now, they show 94% of construction companies having trouble recruiting skilled workers. And by 2022, it's expected that we're going to need over 1.6 million new or skilled workers for construction. The other challenge we're facing is what some people have called the silver tsunami, where numerous people are retiring from the baby boomer generation. How do we face getting people into the industry, training them up, making them become the leaders that we need for them to be, coupled with the challenge of everyone leaving? And I think the big question here really surrounds the topic of being prepared. What do we do to make sure our up-and-coming leaders are ready to lead our companies? I think that really becomes a big question, especially with the uncertain times, and really wanting to make sure that we have business continuity and that we know the steps that we need to take to make sure we're prepared. So today, to help us answer some questions regarding leadership and training, we've invited Buddy Hobart from Solutions 21 to talk to us. Welcome to the podcast, Buddy. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Could you give us a little bit of your background and what Solutions 21 is and how it uh, works with some of the people in the construction industry? Sure, absolutely. We're a consulting firm and actually we focus in two major things. We focus in strategic planning and we focus on leadership development. And uh, we've been around for 26 years, so we've been doing this for quite some time. And then about 12 years ago, we wrote our first book on generational leadership. And the reason I'm kind of proud of that is that 12 years ago, nobody was writing books that were positive towards the next generations. And so we wrote a book called Gen Y Now in 2008, I think it was published in 09. And it really was a positive book on how to attract and retain the next generations of talent. And uh, happy to say that after, the, after it languished a bit during the Great Recession, as you mentioned, it started to take off. And then recently, we just published the next book called The Leadership Decade that ties all of this together, almost exactly what you're looking to address here today. How do we attract and retain top talent in our businesses? Thank you. It's good to have you here. I'd, I'd like to start the conversation, really stretch my imagination and say I'm 60 years old. I'm running a construction company and I'm looking at wanting to retire at the age 65. What, what do I need to be doing over these next five years to really ensure that my company is set up to be successful? I mean, this is the company that has my name attached to it, has my legacy that I've you know, built with this company. I don't, I don't want it to struggle. I want it to thrive when I step away. Am I starting to think at the right time or was 60 too late? Well, it's never too late, but let me go with your original question. You're 60 years old. The first thing that I would say to you is start now. Time is not on our side. If 2020 has taught us anything, it's that there are no certainties. So the sooner you start, the better. So while it's never too late, it's never too early. The second thing that I would say is you have to have what we call a, a solid knowledge transfer strategy. So 
in reality, you have forgot all that you know. Things just come natural. You know it. You've been doing this for so long. It's so, it's so fluid and so unconscious. And we forget. And that's, that's called unconscious competence. You, you don't know what all you know. And so it becomes hard for you to develop that next generation because you frankly don't know what questions they may have. So the next thing, which is a bit self-serving for my company, but I would get some of these folks some outside coaching and development in the industrial age, following along with your statement of you're a 60 year old, you were brought up in the environment where if we did any proactive development, we did it in a check the box kind of a way. We sent you away for a three day seminar. Somebody stood up in front of the room and said, hey, you know, you're gonna be here three days. If you leave with one nugget, it will have been worth it, right? And then they feed you through a fire hose. Well, our feeling is if you spend three days of your life and you leave with one nugget, you got ripped off. And so begin proactively developing the folks you believe have the potential to be your next generation leaders. Because there's a major issue with we industrial age folks. So I'm, a, I'm 61 years old. We came up in an era where this proactive development was looked at as an expense. So the first thing that I, not the first, I mean, one of the major things I challenge someone who asks that question is for the mind shift away from expense to investment. I would start developing their leadership skills in advance of when the need is. I'm proud to say that the clients that we're working with, many in the construction industry, by the way, the clients that we're working with who have put folks through these uh, programs kind of proactively, have done just fine. Let's dig a little deeper into one of the things that you were just talking about, and that was the proactively investing in the development of your people. Uh, we look at our industry, and specifically with the asphalt industry, and we have people typically in leadership roles, maybe foremen, superintendents, area managers, all the way up to the executive level type people within a company. What are some of those opportunities that are out there for really developing those leadership skills and opportunities internally? And what could I be doing if I need to start looking out? Like if I look at my bench and realize I don't necessarily have the right people to move up through the ranks, what do I do to find those leaders if I have to go outside of my company or even my industry to ensure that I get good quality people? I would find someone who specializes in leadership development. There's two things that I would focus on. One is your current leaders. If Again, if 2020 has taught us anything, it's taught us that we may have 40 years worth of experience, but the reality is we don't have 40 years worth of experience managing our way through a global pandemic. So experience doesn't equal leadership. Experience equals experience. And what we challenge folks to do in current leadership roles is to sharpen their saw on how do they lead this next generation of workers, right? So I need to relearn some leadership skills for a new generation of followers. And then I would also figure out who are my next level of leaders to develop. Now, to your point, what if I don't have those folks? What if they're not here? What if the folks I have aren't ready? Well, A, I would start to try to develop them. And then B, I would start with the end in mind, start hiring to it. So when we work in your industry, we see that people are hiring to a certain role 
they're not hiring for an upside leadership development. So I would start having some interview questions around, tell me about when you were in a leadership role. I'd like to take a little twist on that. And I think this question isn't necessarily cut and dry, but when we talk about leaders, sometimes challenges arise. And sometimes maybe we end up with somebody in a leadership role that maybe isn't prepared or maybe doesn't have the skill set that um, we're looking for. Or maybe they even start to take the company in a direction that we're not comfortable with or wasn't part of our vision. I'd be interested in some of your suggestions or how, how you might think that you could handle situations like that. Is more training the recommendation or what are our best options if we have to do a course correction in something like, in a situation like that? Well, unfortunately, you couldn't be more right. So again, industrial age kind of concepts on how do we build our next generation of leaders, we always tended to, and, and I shouldn't say, I shouldn't speak in absolutes, but for the overwhelming most part, we have tended to take our best technician in something, and then we make them the manager of those technicians. So we take our best welder, and then we make them the manager of welders. But interestingly enough, we've never taught them about people skills. We've never taught them about leadership skills. We've never taught them about strategic thinking skills. We've never enhanced their emotional intelligence. We've never enhanced their collaboration or their coaching skills. All we've done is help them be a great welder. We then get this great welder who is managing the welders. He doesn't know how to manage. He knows how to weld. And so when there's a tough weld, he pushes the younger folks out of the way and he does the weld. And, and, and so what he's doing is he is insulting the new folks. He's not transferring the knowledge. He's not developing that next generation. And then the young welders quit. And then what happens is the business owners look and they don't blame that manager. They blame the people who quit and call them disloyal and, and quitters and, and job jumpers. No, it's not that at all. The first thing we have to do is stop taking our best technician and assume that their knowledge will be transferred simply because they're knowledgeable. If we want to make our best welder, the manager of welders, then we have to do the same thing for leadership skills and get out ahead of it and teach them leadership and people skills and conversational skills and communication skills and conflict management skills. So it breaks my heart because what happens is organizations then lose their best welder because they made them a, the manager of welders. He then gets disenchanted because he loved being a great welder and now he's a terrible manager. So then we may even have to fire him because he's a terrible manager while we've lost eight new welders. The business has just blown a half a million dollars. And the reason they've blown a half a million dollars is they didn't have the foresight to look at the succession plan we talked about before and to invest, I don't know, $50,000 in developing future managers. So you're willing to lose a half a million dollars because we didn't want to invest 50000 It's a tough situation because you're exactly right. There are some people that are, that are great engineers, but they just they struggle when they're put managing people People talk about leadership styles kind of all the time. When we think about the construction industry, it kind of has that rough and tough persona. But yep. are there certain leadership characteristics that are really needed more for both the people in the industry now and also looking into 
the future generations as we're trying to get more millennials and Gen Zers into the construction industry, what are the leadership characteristics that they may be looking for in their managers? I think that is the question, actually. We tend to think that the way things were done for us are the ways that it needs to be done moving forward. Leadership is the strategic differentiator for attracting and retaining talent. Everybody I work with, and again, I shouldn't speak in absolutes, overwhelming majority of the folks we work with, they buy this concept that people quit people, right? People join companies, but people quit people. But what they fail to do is flip over the coin and say, if people quit people, then people stay for people. So here's something your listening audience might find really, really interesting. And this is not a generational, this is across all employees in America, these aren't my numbers. These come from like Corn Ferry and McKinsey and Pew Foundation, things like that. 92% of people who quit their job in America, 92% of people who quit their job cited their boss as the reason. 56% of the American population, the current workforce in America, 56% of those folks say they would turn down a 10% raise if they were already working for a good boss. And what I would challenge again is that in the industrial age, so in my era, your leadership style was, and I know I've been you know, in the construction industry now for the full, even before I started Solutions 21, for, for nearly 30 years, I have been around and in the construction world. Back in the day, it was, that's my style, take it or leave it. And in, in the world today, leaders need to adapt to their followers. So my leadership style is really irrelevant. My ability to adapt and motivate my followers is what's important. So if we have a second, I'll tell a story about that. What do leaders need to work on? They need to work on their leadership, which means they need to work on their emotional intelligence. And, and how do you adapt and how do you communicate with folks? And I know in the construction world, they go, oh, that's a soft skill. You know, that's that tree hugger stuff. You know, that's not, no, you know, they want to stick with that leadership stuff. So I'll tell them a story. Because I had the good fortune of attending the U.S. Army War College a number of years ago. So I happened to be in, my, in, in this gentleman's class. His name is Jeff Ray, R-E-Y. Jeff is a immigrant to the United States. He immigrated from Jamaica. He wanted to join the service and he wanted to be a Marine, but he needed food and clothing at that time, and, and the Marines couldn't take him for 90 days, but the Army would take him tomorrow. So he joined the Army. Jeff Ray has held every single rank in the U.S. Army, every rank. I was blown away when he invited my wife and I to his ceremony to become a one-star general. When he was introduced to uh, the, the audience, when he was getting um, uh, pinned by a three-star general, now, I want you to picture Jeth Ray. Jeth Ray is in incredible physical shape. Jeth Ray is probably 99 times out of 100 the smartest person in the room. 99 99.9 .9 times out of 100, he's in the best shape of anybody in the room. 99.9 .9 times out of 100, he's probably the toughest guy in the room. But when he was announced to become a one-star general, they, announced, they said that we need to tell you about his superpower of emotional intelligence. Now, here's a guy that can take you apart intellectually. By the way, he's the one who designed and implemented, he was the cybersecurity chief for the White House. He implemented the uh, Situation Room at Camp David. 
So here's a guy who's smarter than me, more physically fit than me, tougher than me, stronger than me, you name it. But his, but his, his superpower is emotional intelligence. That is the critical element for leadership moving forward. You want to attract and retain, retain the right talent, we need to be like Jeth Ray. We need to develop our skills. What maybe are some good ways to help gain those skills if I'm not getting them on the job, I'm in a, in a role where I'm not really the, in the leadership role? You know, is it training or workshops or reading books or what resources should I really be leaning on to try to build those skill sets so that I can move into that role? Well, I'm going to answer that from two levels. One is the business owner. Uh, the business owner, I, I would really, really, really challenge your listenership. Do not let this happen organically. Just don't. Take control. Intentionally develop your leaders. You know, I use the Army as an analogy. By the time you become a colonel, the U.S. Army has already dedicated five full complete years to your leadership development. At any one time, our million-man army has 20% of the forces are training for their next assignment. So if we want to be a, a super business, if we want to have this great succession plan, we need to be able to develop our talent proactively. Number two, in fact, I'll answer this three ways. Number two, I am going to be shocked if your new talent sticks around if you don't, especially in the construction industry, because those skills are transferable across so many different worlds. And your young talent has options. If you're not investing in them, someone will. And then the third part of your question is, what if I'm not being invested in? I'm going to tell your listening audience, that person who sticks around who wants to grow and is not being invested in is going to be a unicorn. If you happen to be a unicorn, then I would say read as much as you can, take on third-party leadership roles in associations and in, in, in charities and anything that you can develop your leadership. But I am going to say that's going to be rare that you have a 20-something that decides to do it on their own when their employer fails to invest in them. Now no, you, you folks know the industry. Tell me what you think to that answer. Is that what you're seeing? I think you're right. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Well, you know, interestingly enough, guys, we, we, we've always looked at um, how we reward people. And we've looked at like intrinsic and extrinsic rewards. So we just throw money at people or, you know, people, when they leave, they say, hey, I got a 10% raise. So we say, oh, they left for the raise. Well, I just gave you a statistic. If you had a good boss, they wouldn't leave for the raise. So this is what I tell folks is this, is that if you have somebody leaves your company and they got a 50% raise, pour yourself a beer or a glass of wine or whatever, but, but celebrate because you did a good job. You hired somebody that was really valuable that somebody else wanted. If you lose an employee for a 10% raise, go home and look in the mirror because they quit you. And, and leaders need to take that role and need to understand that it's an awesome responsibility. And I don't even use that word, but it's an awesome responsibility that we've been given as a leader in the 21st century to attract and retain talent by motivating them. And we motivate them not by throwing money at them. We motivate them by being a good leader. Well, buddy, I, uh, we appreciate you spending some time today talking about leadership and really how do you develop it and how do you ensure that our companies are going to continue to run well into the future? I look forward to future conversations that we may have or opportunities to get you involved with some of the things in Napa. 
but thank you very much for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. If anybody has any questions or if I can help in any way, my email is bhobart, H-O-B-A-R-T, at solutions21.com. Feel free to, I'm happy to, happy to help. My heart is in this industry. I grew up in a mill town where, you know, I'm a blue collar guy, worked in a steel mill as a young man, and uh, anything we can help to attract and retain talent. Uh, you know, I grew up in the, in the 80s when they were closing the mill. I like to see jobs created and people happy and thriving. Thank you very much. It gave us a lot to think about today. Happy to help. A couple of the things that um, really I think are going to stick with me from today's conversation and really when you look at investing in leadership and getting leaders ready, it's, it's important that you look at it as an investment, not an expense. Yes, you're putting money into, into resources, but you're expecting that you'll benefit from that, um, from that money. So it's more of an investment than an expense. And then the other big piece there towards the end is when, when we were talking about the military and how they're superpower and the commitment that they have to investing in their leaders and moving people into that next role where that at all times they have at least 20% of their staff is being trained for their next role. How about you? What did you, what did you take away today, Richard? I think the thing that sticks with me the most is his discussion about people leave people and people stay because uh, of people. And it really focuses on people's emotional intelligence. And what, let's be honest, in the construction industry, emotional intelligence isn't something that we talk about every day. But there are some, there are some people that it is very natural, it is a part of who they are. And there are other people that it's not an easy thing. There's an interesting quote that I think is attributed to Aristotle that says, anybody can become angry, that's easy. But to be angry with the right person and to the right degree and at the right time and for the right purpose and in the right way, that is not within everybody's power and it's not easy. And understanding how do I work with my people? How do I come across? And I think that self-awareness is a big part of that as a leader. And so I think that that reflection and that understanding yourself, um, you have to do that before you can learn to manage others. We just want to thank everyone again for being here with us today. My name is Richard Willis. And I'm Brett Williams. We just want you to remember, as you're driving around America's highways, someone from our industry paved it black. Pave It Black is produced by Monica Dutcher of the National Asphalt Pavement Association with podcast theme music credits to Colleague. You can find Pave It Black on most of your favorite platforms, including SoundCloud and iTunes. If you would like to suggest someone for us to interview, please email Richard Willis at rwillis at asphaltpavement.org. That's R-W-I-L-L-I-S at asphaltpavement.org. Until next time, Keep paving it black.